Welcome to the Art Podcast. Our show features conversations with Canadian recording artists. In each episode, our host, Tressa Levasseur, explores how background, influences, and personal journey shape the creative process. Every show features two original songs by the guest artist, so stick around to hear some great music. Today's episode features contemporary roots songwriter Adrian Sutherland from his home in Attawapiskat, Ontario. Hello. Good day. Hi. Good day. How, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I am pretty good. Where are you joining us from today? Well, I'm at home today in Attawapiskat. Um, I'm in my little studio. Has it snowed yet? Yeah, actually, we had snow yesterday, and then today we had some more snow. It's kind of turned into wet snow and rain now. Yeah, yeah, it's that season, that transitional season. Well, it's really nice to meet you, and I think if you're ready, we'll just jump right into uh, this this ARC podcast episode with Adrian Sutherland. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, phew. Um, what is your first or earliest memory of music? I would have to say was uh, my earliest memory of music is is my mom um, playing guitar. Uh, she played guitar quite a bit when I was young, and I would always kind of pick it up when she wasn't playing, just to noodle around with it. And she also played the organ, so that's probably my earliest uh, memory of music. Um, and then, of course, in the arcade we had here growing up, they had a jukebox um, that we used to go up to and, and put quarters into. To play songs like Tom Petty, um, just yeah. So those are some of my really early influences and experience. Okay, who else? Who else is in that jukebox? Who? What's Adrian Sutherland's childhood playlist from the arcade jukebox? Uh, there was a lot of CCR in there, um, <laughs> but mostly my my go to song every every night was "Won't Back Down" by Tom Petty. So that's what I would go and play every night, pretty much. <laughs> Do you feel like that song, like this this sort of touchstone song of your childhood has influenced you as a writer in any way? Like, what was it about that song? Well, I think when you look at uh, Tom Petty as a, as a writer, I think uh, he's obviously one of the greatest writers of our time. And I, I loved how simple his, his melodies were and how um, how he arranged his music. And I, I, I always kind of felt that way about my own music where I try to arrange it in a way that's, that it's not that elaborate, um, but it's still catchy. So I think it's influenced me that way. Yeah. It's interesting that you use the word elaborate because there is a thing that some songwriters strive for. That's really about a very clear line as opposed to, uh, a busy watercolor or like, you know, that pointillism painting. It's like that that clear line that's very confident and bold. And I feel that about Tom Petty. Mm-hmm. I also love CCR. I, I grew up in North Bay, so um, there's, there's some guitar rock in my background. Um, what about, so I want to go back to your mom for a quick second, if you don't mind. Oh, not at all. Um, did you have an organ in your house? Yeah, we had somehow come into possession of this organ and I can't remember where it came from I, I did ask my mom about that recently and I think it may have came from the church Roman Catholic Church um, and she would play that thing uh, as often as, you could, as she could and, and then there would be like different 
venues in, in, in the community, like Christmas time, you know, there was always music going on throughout the year. So she would take any opportunity she could to go out and just play, play the organ mostly. Um, at that, at that point, she had already kind of moved away from the guitar and was more interested in playing the organ. And did you and she play together at all? Or were you mostly her audience? No, I mostly watched her play. And then uh, later on, as I got older into my teens, I would try to play certain things. I was starting to really get into the guitar when I was 13. And there were certain things um, that I was trying to learn and play and wasn't quite, you know, getting it down. And then she would listen to me play as she would, you know, was doing her thing in the kitchen. Uh, most days is where I would play right at the kitchen table. And uh, just just because uh, she was the only audience I had, she came over and said, you're not playing it right. And she said, here, bring that thing. And at that point, she hadn't played in uh, like years, at least a decade. Um, and she picked up that thing and she showed me how to play. the. the I was playing hash pipe. Uh, is what I was not hash pipe. Uh, is it pipeline? I pipe pipeline. Anyway, it's a popular riff from uh, way back. So uh, that's what I was playing, and she showed me how to play it the, the correct way. You're not playing it right here. So you play it, and I was like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> how do you even know that? Was she self-taught? Yeah, she um, she she grew up in uh, after leaving the the land. Um, they ended up in residential school. Uh, in Port Albany at the St. Anne's residential school. When she left the school, she uh, owned a little dirt bike, a motorbike she used to put around with in, in Fort Albany. And she used to strap her acoustic guitar to her back and would drive around. And uh, so she was pretty, uh, pretty well known for that. And, you know, I have people that have come across in my path um, from that, from that era and from, from Fort Albany would always talk about my mom and, uh, how they remember her playing guitar and she used to strap that thing over her back and drive around on her motorbike. <laughs> well, it's so. so rock and roll. Like, I mean, it, that really could be in a Tom Petty video, <laughs> yeah. like a gal on her, on her bike with her guitar on the back. Yeah. yeah. Um, it sounds like maybe that was something that you moved towards as opposed to away from a lot of songwriters are moving away from their fundamental influences, but it sounds like you started heading towards that. Um, that's what, uh, I said, started to gravitate towards was um, the guitar, and it's always been my go-to uh, instrument. And I only started re started recently playing the keys. I'm not really good at it. I'm pretty rudimentary, um, so it's a process. I guess it's a learning process, and and it, it all depends on how much time you put into it. Well, with the keys too. Back to your your admiration of the non-elaborate songwriting of Tom Petty. With the keys, you do not have to be elaborate to make it sound amazing and uh, touch something within people. In fact, sometimes being overly elaborate on any instrument prevents that, that connection. Okay, speaking of connection, when did you start playing with other people? When did you move away from your kitchen table and your mom to playing with others? Yeah, well, I was in high school. Um, I started to play with some friends I was going to school with, uh, mostly heavy metal stuff like Metallica. Um, we just sit in a room and we jam to these heavy metal riffs um and then i kind of moved towards later in my late teens i moved towards playing in a cover band with my uh my, my cousins who i grew up with um my family's always been very musical so my mom and all her uh, unc uh sorry brothers uh, all played and my cousins played all the older guys played and still play so um 
and, and us younger guys, younger generation, uh, took, uh, took on the guitar and then uh, we started jamming together. So we would just mostly jam to stuff, the Stones, um, of course, CCR and, and uh, you know, Billy Idol, some of the stuff we were jamming over and over and over. I think we made it work our way up to almost having 40 songs that we were covering at one time. So it was quite impressive for, you know, a few kids up here in the, in the north. Well, that's a, that's a full night of playing at any venue, really 40, 40 cover tunes. Yeah, we would, uh, we'd spend a lot of time in that shed playing and just jamming. I think, uh, I might've been in there for four, four hours a day. Uh-huh. Um, and, and then there was, there was funny moments. I remember where we get people kind of just staggering in that were drinking and happened to be coming by. And then the music kind of drew them into what, what we were doing. And then he would come in and they just keep us, you know, almost hold us ransom, uh, and, and tell us to keep playing <laughs> or else. <laughs> well, that, that sounds a lot like, uh, my early twenties when I started playing at bars, people just being like, play another one, play another one. And there's something about building up that stamina, you know, that, that served me very well. Uh, when I started heading out on the road, when did you start heading out on the road? Well, in my college years, uh, I was playing, uh, as much as I, I, I could, um, I would play uh, any any opportunity I had to play for the, for the different college events. Um, so I was doing solo stuff back then, and I, I was starting to kind of write my own stuff already in my early twenties. So I would sometimes kind of sneak in a an original song uh, while I was doing some of those shows. Um, I was also playing in bars um, on weekends during my college years. Not 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 every weekend, but uh, every so often I would be there maybe it was a group of friends and there would be people I know that were from, from home, you know, when they would get me up on stage and get me to play. So yeah, I was starting to, I guess, sort of gig in that way, not for money, uh, just, just to get up just for the sake of performing um, and getting out there and, and getting in front of people. You, this is when you, your college time is when you started writing. What prompted that? Cause that's a big shift to go from playing, learning other people's tunes and, making a repertoire for yourself and then like putting yourself out there, like to write a song is to open the curtains, Mm -hmm. let people see inside. Right. What, what prompted that? Well, I I think I came to a, it came to a point where I just, I guess I got tired of learning cover songs and other people's songs. And I wasn't that great of a guitar player anyway. And I tried to, to be a good guitar player and it was it was clear to me that I wasn't going to be you know the best guitar player in the world because it was it required you know a lot of practice and a lot of time, and I was more interested in singing and just strumming you know, and uh, I just started writing songs. Um, there was you know a lot of different songs songs about love. Um, yeah, I met I had met my wife in in not college so high school in my late late. Uh, before we finished high school. So there was, so th- those are the kind of uh, emotions and feelings, I guess I might've been going through at the time. So I remember trying to write uh, some love songs and, um, you know, they weren't great, <laughs> but, uh, you know, at least I was starting to write and, and, and uh, you know, express myself that way. And of course, with that comes, like you said, you're just like opening the curtains, you're opening up yourself to, you know, to scrutiny or, you know, you're kind of vulnerable in a way because um, you're showing, people part of you of course and you're opening yourself up to 
the greatest scrutineer of all the self. Yeah. Like the self scrutiny is the one that's the most painful to me anyway. Exactly. Your word, your own worst critic. Totally. Um, were you apart from your wife? Is that why you were writing these songs of love and longing? Were these like, well, when I first left for college, um, um, it was, you know, it was a difficult time because when you leave home, you leave, you leave your, your family behind, uh, and you're on a very, 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 limited uh, budget so we couldn't afford to move south together so i had to leave on my own um we had two small children at the time so yeah i missed them um deeply and i think it probably had a lot to do with wanting to write uh about some of those things yeah. i was feeling yeah and that's that's a pretty common a lot of the songwriters that i've talked to in this series the original impetus to write songs comes from a from strong feelings it's like this this rush of emotion, whatever that emotion is, yours is different from Amanda's, is different from Leela's, is different from Steven's, but that well just fills right up to the top and you gotta do something with the overflow. What happens next? I, I wanna know, what this page turner, what's the next chapter? You're, you're at college, you start writing your songs, you're secretly inserting them in your set list, they're going okay? Yeah, they're, they're going okay, I always had a, I was always, I guess, well received, you know, in any place that I performed in. Um, I, I, I kind of noticed that early on in, in, in the early days of performing as a solo artist. I don't know what it was, but I think uh, maybe it was my voice. You know, uh, I get I get a lot of comments about my voice, um, not so much about my playing, but my voice. And when I started writing the more original stuff and build up enough confidence to really, you know, start playing them in, in public, um, you know, a lot of people were encouraging me and they were saying, we like your songs and, you know, you should uh, look at maybe recording someday. And so I, I would get that a lot. And of course, you know, as a, we had a young family and you have um, a huge amount of, um, I guess, responsibility put on you to to provide. And, and, and I think for a lot of people, you have to make a choice at some point. Um, to whether or not you can pursue something like the arts um, because it certainly doesn't pay well. Uh, <laughs> um, so, you know, I had went to college and I got, you know, finished up my program and I went to work and raised a family for over 10 years. That's what I did. I, I put my music uh, aside. I put it on the back burner and it wasn't until my, uh, you know, early thirties, I started to write again and pick up the guitar um the girls were getting a little bit older and uh we still had you know two young boys in the home but it, you know i i found that that i had a bit more time to kind of focus on my music again and and i always wanted to to write so that's always been a passion of mine because um i believe uh i think the different things that were going on inside of me from when i was young and some of the the things I, I grapple with in this world, um, you know, I always felt the need to write about them. What are those things that you feel compelled to write about? Well, I, I certainly, as I got older and then you have children now and you kind of have this legacy that you've started and, and you're, and, and, you know, you're, it's all about them now. And, you know, you're preparing them for the world uh, and to take on the different things that life kind of throws at you. And uh, just with everything going on, especially in with respects to indigenous issues, I felt I felt really, I guess, angry, 
you know, at times I felt like people didn't care about us. Uh, and uh, so a lot of the writing came from that place of frustration. Uh, it came from, uh, I guess, a lot of it was, I guess, politically driven. And that's just what I'm trying to say. Um, I'm having this image of it's you and you're sitting there listening to your mom play. Right. And that comes from your mom being this gal on this motorbike with her guitar escaping something. And then now we fast forward and it's you and you're you've raised your family and now you're playing and your kids are listening to you. There's this kind of like really neat circular. Mm -hmm. I don't know, an impression that I'm getting. Did your kids pick up the guitar? Did they play too? Or was your playing an inspiration to them? Like, how did that? Yeah, um, well, my, my, one, my one daughter plays. She's picked, she picked up the guitar um, several years ago. And she's been playing on and off. Um, she, she also has a keyboard that she sometimes will play. Um, but she, no, one, no one's actually really picked it up. But uh, the girls love to sing. Uh, they have beautiful voices. I've heard them sing. Um, and they're just not brave enough to come sing on any of the records. I've you know, tried to get them to come sing um, on some of the stuff I was working on. But they're, they're just too shy. They're still in their, their shells. So, um, but yeah, you know, they, they really love music. They get excited about certain songs that I'm writing and uh, it's always nice to kind of get that uh, reaction from them. What's a favorite song of your kids that you've written? Um, yeah, I, well, Respect the Gift is a, a really upbeat song that, that I put a little while ago. And when I first showed everyone in the house and played it, everyone got really excited and, uh, you know, couldn't help but just jump up and start dancing. And we had it blasting pretty loud in, uh, in the home. So um i i think it would it surprised a lot of people um it's just different than anything i've ever done and uh, you know it surprised the kids the, my family as well and they were just like no we didn't expect this song to be like this or sound like this um i think it's it showed them that you don't have to be sort of confined to one genre or one sound or you can kind of go and go beyond some of those limitations and constraints that sometimes are put on us yeah, yeah. in the industry um so yeah that's i think that's what they really liked about it that's uh they were you know i was able to write beyond what they normally are used to hearing well i know that i am immediately going to go and listen to respect the gift as soon as we get off this call um just because that it's exciting to think of um something unexpected like your, the, your family, the people that you live with who are most familiar with what you do, who are surrounded by your career and your um, artistic pursuit yeah. to be surprised by something is <laughs> yeah. quite a feat. Um, what about your, like you are up in Attawapiskat, which isn't really the average location for people who are professional musicians touring musicians so you've made like a pretty strong choice to remain in community up there mm -hmm. and i wonder about not just your immediate family that you're living with in your house but like or in, and not even just your mom but your community at large like the mm -hmm. the whole town in which you live what is their relationship to your music and to your pursuit of music as you're like a way of life. Well, what? it's it's a difficult. I think it's a very uh, strange relationship. I don't know what to make of it sometimes. Huh. I certainly, 
you know that people are out, people out here in the community are uh, into my music, but they won't say it. They won't say, "Hey, we like your music," and "Hey, you know, keep keep doing what you're doing." I don't really hear that a lot. I think I'm just still Adrian, you know, who grew up here and still lives here. And to them, and uh, that's how I guess they uh, kind of interact with me. They don't interact with me as, uh, well, you know, this musician, uh, you know, who's done what what uh, most people probably could never do coming from a place like this. But when I go into some of the neighboring communities, it's different, eh? Cause, and I think it's because I don't live there. And we're almost like the same. We're all uh, similar, similar in a lot of ways. So, but when I go to the next community down, you know, people will just like, can I get a picture with you? Can you sign my guitar? And, uh, you know, I want you to meet my kid. Uh, my dad wants to see you, you know, like you certainly feel the love and the, the interaction is much different than it is here in the community. So that's what I said. It's a bit of a strange relationship um, with my community. Um, but I know, I know that and, and the kids, a lot of them don't understand. They can't sort of wrap their heads around, you know, that's the guy who sings James Bay. That's the guy who did the cover of Heart of Gold. And they're like, no, it's not. It's not him. They just can't believe it, you know, that I'm here in this community and I live here. And then they're just like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so it's funny. It's interesting when you're still in in the place where you were like a bratty teenager or like a really cute five-year-old or like whatever it is that, like I know my, my immediate family, I have a very small immediate family, that they were never ones to be like, oh, you've signed my, not at all, not <laughs> Yeah. In the least, it was quite quite the opposite. Um, clean your room and what are you doing with your life? Yeah. What guides you as a songwriter? What What do you think your guide is? Oh, um, that's a good question. I'm not really sure. I think uh, for me, the songwriting process is it's quite the same every time almost. I try to kind of get outside my usual process that I follow but I always come back to the same sort of, you know, process. And so I think uh, for sure, my culture is always in mind, um, the Cree culture and my Cree views. And uh, so that's always influencing my, my songwriting. Yeah. And, and, and just, I think being so far away from, from everything, you know, I feel like I'm uh, worlds away from, from the industry, you know, and, uh, I haven't even gone on the stage and since the pandemic hit and I know a lot of my peers and people that I know in the industry are already starting to get back up and are playing. So, so that's always kind of been, uh, in some ways it's, that's a little bit, uh, saddening, you know, that I'm, st- I haven't really gone out to play yet since the pandemic hit, but in a lot of ways, I think, um, because I have been so isolated up here for so long and, we're, you know, quite largely behind the rest of the world in a lot of ways, even with technology, internet is, um, um, there's just, in so many ways, I think I'm, I guess I'm at a disadvantage. Um, I don't, don't have access to the arts. I never did growing up. I had cassette tapes, you know, maybe three that I could just kind of draw from. I had the jukebox and then I had, uh, we had three channels on TV up until I was probably in my late teens. So, so is uh, <clears throat> I think I've always been able to draw from the land, you know, my culture, creep views, and and whatever 
um, influences I had early on um, in music. Is it jarring to take those influences that are so like located in a in a place and bring them to a completely different environment? What is that experience like? Well, for me, for for a long time, it was very uncomfortable, you know, to come from a place like here and then playing for indigenous audiences or family or, or community members then going to play for non-indigenous artists it was very as uh, for me it felt intimidating and i had a i struggled with that for a long time i'm not sure where that came from but uh yeah it was jarring it's like you know one minute or one day I'm, i've been you know i'm standing in the black spruce trees or i'm in the tundra you know tracking caribou and hunting and and, and doing all that stuff. And then, you know, the next day or two, I'm standing in downtown Toronto. It's such a weird transition, you know, and I don't know how to, to describe it. it. It is a really strange uh, transition and vice versa, coming back from, you know, a month in the, in the city, coming back in, into such uh, a different, uh, you know, it's like really it's two worlds, two different worlds. So yeah, two different velocities too. Like the the speed and the frequency of the surrounding, the bed track mm-hmm. is so different that the melody just does a different thing on top of the bed track that is the place that you are. I agree. Huh, interesting. Um, do you have a favorite memory from an audience interaction? One that has stayed with you? A moment of connection? I think my last string of shows that I did as a solo artist and before before we were into this pandemic um it was a string of theater shows i really of course you're fighting through a lot of different things when you get on the stage here you know there's confidence things there's um you know uh sound issues and then of course there's uh nerves you're fighting through all that but then once you kind of get through all that and you're beginning halfway through your set or whatever you start to kind of get your stride and um, I, I felt really, I, I felt like I really connected with those audiences in a way that I'd never been able to with, you know, the full band. And uh, I'm not sure if it was capturing the, the spirit of, of what my music represents. I think it had something to do with that. Um, I just think it was coming from a different place for me. It's also like being in a theater space, there is a kind of a, like it is almost like, a space where silence is the undertone versus like Vancouver Folk Music Festival, where I met you for one minute, where people are watching the show, but it's outside. There's boats going by. People are walking here and there. There's like all kinds of busyness. And in a theater, you step into that space and there is a certain intention that everyone has agreed to participate in. And then if you're you played solo, that's also like you really do have to draw from something diff- quite yeah, differently. Yeah, and, and that sort of becomes even if you mess up or hit a wrong note or you go to the wrong chord, that sort of just becomes part of the show or part of the act. And I'm playing as a solo artist, and it's not so much like if you're playing with the full band. You know, sometimes uh, you know when you mess up or you hit, you miss you miss a beat or something. Uh, I'm not so sure it's noticeable in the audience, but it's certainly it's certainly noticeable with within you know the people that are on the stage playing. Um, and everybody kind of gives you the you know the stink eye or something. I know it well, but I would never play. I couldn't. You couldn't pay me enough money to play solo. To be honest with you, at this point, 
my life. Um, and I am, I'm so curious and, uh, uh, about your feeling of like almost standing like in a, in a space of potential to be playing by yourself. Yeah. Uh, versus with the band have you mostly toured just with the band and then this is yeah. like a new thing that was oh just yeah starting i mean huh. the good thing about playing in the band is you kind of hide behind everyone else um or hide behind everyone else uh that's playing so that that's you feel a lot safer you know um it's it's like kind of like you're a safe uh safe haven when you're on stage um yeah you know when you're coming in alone there's always this feeling of you're kind of scared and alone uh and then then when the rest of the band kind of starts to slowly trickle in you know that feeling goes away quickly for me anyway that's kind of how i feel but yeah um certainly there are there are some moments um when when uh, i'm playing with the band where um i don't i don't uh uh feel safe i guess uh, is the word and i always have to have my guitar you know there's been times where people someone just put down the guitar and you know we'll play you just sing and i'm like because what would i do with my arms (laughs) what would i do i'm like i wouldn't know what to do Uh, are you just standing there with like long arms like i can't dance either so (laughs) (laughs) i don't believe that i bet you can um do you have okay so if you had to give a piece of career advice or even just songwriter advice or artist advice to your younger self or someone who was like your younger self what would you say well i think i would tell myself to stop giving myself so much energy energy um to people that don't project the same energy back onto me and the same love and support um i would have told myself that you know a long time ago, I think uh, I would have been <laughs> probably a lot happier today about my music. Yeah, I know. And and yet the 13-year-old self so often has a hard time hearing mm-hmm. advice like that. You know, any 13-year-old that's across all countries, cultures, and planets. Yeah. There's something about that that adolescent self. you got to find your own motorcycle and your own guitar this has just been really nice conversation Mm -hmm. i've so enjoyed getting to know you ever so briefly is there anything else you'd like to share with the the future imagined listening audience of this conversation well i uh i'm really enjoying i i mean this past year and a half although it's been very 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 challenging i think for a lot of people uh including myself um but it also has been a, a rebirth in a lot of ways for me. I think uh, I was able to slow down and um, learn learn a lot uh, about situations that I hadn't really taken the time to think through or even think about, or um, and and then just could really focus on things like with solo career, um, you know, taking time to actually step away from the band, and then really write. Uh, such a I don't know I don't know I got I don't want to say magical but to me it feels like it's a magical record and uh, I uh, absolutely love this album that I put out recently what's the title of it when the magic hits it's the title of the album and uh, it, it's it's like I said earlier um, I wanted to write without having to feel without having any limitations put on me by anyone 
I wanted people to just to let me do what I wanted to do, um, write about whatever I wanted to write about. And, you know, I, I was able to get that respect from the people that I work with to, to allow me to say, okay, then, you know, it's all in your hands and you make the music and whatever you feel you want to do, it's, it's all in your hands. So I really, uh, I have been, I guess, fortunate enough to be able to, to do that, to kind of just take control of everything again and really get back to what really is good for my soul. Um, I think it came from a place, uh, very spiritual and very, uh, a very deep place for me, this last album. But uh, anyway, uh, I, I guess if, if that was something uh, that people would like to kind of hear um, and listen to, uh, it's certainly uh, something I'm extremely proud of. Well, it's, it sounds it sounds like you're pretty clear on this one, that this one, you're, you're not just opening the curtains. You've actually, you're throwing them open. You're opening the windows and you're saying, welcome everybody to this beautiful space that I've created uh, and that really reflects all of my journey and learning. I can't wait to hear it when the magic is. I'm, I'm going <laughs> now. I can't wait. Um, thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. It was, uh, it was great chatting with you. Yeah, when we see each other on the road again, it will not be just one minute. I will, if we can hug, I may ask you for a hug at that yeah. point. <laughs> Yeah.
for listening to the ARC podcast. If you'd like to know more about today's guest, please take a look at our show notes. Our producer and engineer is Tim Frazier of Murdoch Entertainment. Our host is Tressa Levasseur. Thanks to the Canada Council for the Arts for making this podcast possible. And thanks to you for tuning in. Go a creek, watching north of 60 on the telly.